Cinephiles, audiophiles, ladies and germs, welcome to the Film Cult Podcast. Tonight, he was the first guest, he's the first returning guest, Christian James Hand. Christian, how are things? Uh, I'm trapped in my apartment while the world burns. It's great. How are you? Have you been, well, uh, hey, (laughs) the exact same as you. Have you been enjoying this pandemic? Have you done anything worthwhile? Um, I think that, uh, professionally the pandemic has actually been incredibly, uh, well, I know that it's been incredibly good for me. Uh, I think that as far as my own psychological health and well-being, I don't think that that's true. So, uh, but I will at least take the fact that it feels like some good came out of it, which, uh, is a very lucky place to find myself. Do you feel like you're at least sleeping better at night now that fuckface is out of office? Uh, well, I've never slept well. Uh, I have terrible sleeping, but I will say that there was there was a palpable uh, shift in the feeling of the world after he left. So uh, I don't think that's an exaggeration, um, especially for those of us that were you know are smart and informed uh, and not in some fucking disinformation bubble. Uh, so I I was very very uh, grateful for that denouement of the story for for a number of reasons but i do think that it shifted a lot for a lot for a lot of people where do you think politics looks like in a year from now do you, do you think the republicans go back to being this nothingness and and at least not trump based and and the progressives are going to go back to pushing as hard as they can or wh- wh- where do you see things going right now well, that's a great question. I think that this uh, $2.7 billion fucking uh, lawsuit that has just been filed against Fox and Giuliani and everyone else uh, by the smart systems, whatever that um, voting machine company is, I think that people are going to uh, start to suffer the repercussions of their choices. And I'm hoping that that is going to uh, shift things drastically. Uh, I think that the only way that we're going to be able to deal with disinformation and misinformation is through legalities that prove that saying and doing those sort of things isn't protected speech. Uh, and I think the only way you can do that is by the law, because that's what the law says. So we need a, in you know, post-millennial world, we need a clearer definition of what misinformation and disinformation is so that social media, I mean, I don't know if you saw this, but like they said that 70% of the misinformation on the internet has disappeared since Trump stopped tweeting. 70% of the misinformation on the entire internet has gone because he wasn't tweeting bullshit that wasn't getting retweeted by bots and his acolytes that was then being picked up by Fox that was then being retweeted by Fox that was then being retweeted by him retweeting Fox, which led, you know, gave it a a level of credence that it hadn't had prior, and then it fucking snowballed. 70% of the misinformation on the internet has disappeared since he stopped tweeting. That's unbelievable. I mean, believable, but entirely unbelievable. Do you think this this kind of thing is going to come back, though, when you have complete nutcases like Marjorie like crazy, crazy woman in, in there right now in the house? Do you no, think she's going to be the I, new... No, because the thing is, is that he was such a fucking... He was such a specific version of that guy, right? Like, he didn't... 
if he was just, <coughs> excuse me, if he was just like Donald Trump, U.S. Senator from Kansas, he would have just been another Donald Trump, U.S. Senator from Kansas guy. It's the fact that he started as this mythical business figure that was then allowed to be validated completely by that fucking stupid TV show. I mean, Jeff, what's his name, who produced the fucking um, Apprentice, should be pulled up on charges. I mean, like, that's crazy that, that we don't know any of the truths of this person who was doing fucking lines of Adderall and shitting himself in adult diapers on set, and they just allowed that person to run for president and didn't step in and say, you know what, man? I got to be honest with you. This person is mentally unhealthy and physically unhealthy and should not, like, fuck you, Jeff douchebag. Like, you're done. You're done. As we're talking right now, SAG-AFTRA, just revoked his his SAG card. How the fuck did it take that long for SAG to finally revoke that fucking card? How has he had that this entire time? Because as long as you pay your dues, you can well, fucking. Okay, true. That is you true. Know, as long as, I mean, like I don't I don't know of anyone else that's actually had their SAG card removed. So the fact that they did it is really bold and necessary. And look, I I think the dude's going to go to jail. I think they're going to they're going to. Al Capone him. We can't get him on being a fucking Russian asset. We can't get him on any of the fucking horrible things that he legitimately did, but they're going to get him on tax evasion. Al Capone didn't go to jail for the hundreds of people that he murdered. He went to jail because he avoided fucking tax payments. And if that's how we get this fucking cunt, then that's how we get this cunt and his cunt family and all of these fucking, you know, my hope is that you know, the GOP is going to eat itself alive trying to work out what dick to suck. And until they can get that fucking hammered out, they're just going to keep giving themselves mad cow disease. The thing is that the fucking left needs to hold the fucking line. They got to hold the line. Do you think the progressives are doing enough right now? Do, not even progressives, just even center left. Is everybody on the left doing enough in your mind right now? Uh, I think that... Joe Biden has walked into the most difficult presidential situation. <clears throat> I don't even think that FDR dealt with what Biden has dealt with because FDR's was like, you know, they were sort of, it was death by a thousand paper cuts. Like Biden literally walked into a collapsed government. You know, those fucking assholes, the minute that they knew they'd lost in November, they'd already abdicated all responsibility up until November. The minute that they, they found out in November that they were losing, it was steal everything and get the fuck out of here. I mean, he walked into like, I, I don't know if you know this, so I'll ask you. Do you know how many federal positions change on the day of inauguration? I thought that it's something around... Uh... Is it like twelve hundred? It's four thousand. Oh, it's four. It's even more than that. Okay. It's four thousand federal positions change instantly, and now a lot of those people obviously get rehired to keep doing the same job, True. like Fauci yeah. and those people. But there are four thousand positions that need to be reviewed and worked out. If a new person needs to take that fucking job, or if that person's still good for that fucking job, security clearances, blah 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 blah. Like I was listening to a podcast and they were saying that. You know, it was the Obama campaign guys, and they were saying that when, you know, Romney was up against uh, Obama for the re-election and, and he looked like, you know, he was going to be the candidate, they started 
two years before the fucking inauguration, they started giving Mitt Romney's people the information to build their staff, even though they didn't know if he was going to win or not. It's just that you need two years of runway to get security clearances and fucking review 4,000 fucking jobs or review the people that are reviewing 150 of those 4,000 jobs. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so the fact that this, I mean, the ultimate, you know, metaphor for the entire fucking thing is that that fucking psychopath left the president and his wife standing on the steps of the White House because he had fucking got rid of all of the internal staff on inauguration day so that there was nobody there to open the door for the standing president. And anybody on the right who thinks that that is appropriate behavior is not using the, a, a metric that is a standard that can be used in that discussion. Like you just don't, you can't talk to those people because that is a, that is an insult. That is a security fucking question. Like the security team was like, wait, what the, you left the standing president on the uh, outside, unprotected on a doorstep to the white house. Like what the fuck you fucking like owning the libs, dude, eat a fucking dick. Like that's, unforgivable behavior how do you think that, that that we work with these people going forward we don't. do you see do you see any change ever happening we don't we steamroll these motherfuckers we drag them kicking and screaming to fucking enlightenment and then you message the shit out of it we can't talk to these people you, i mean they literally can't be spoken to so now it's like okay none of this we go fucking high bullshit we steamroll everything we want to get done we give these people 15 fucking minimum wage we give them fucking health care. We fucking take care of the fucking miners with fucking black lung. We spend like we're fucking drunken sailors the same way that the Republicans have done. And we do it for the next fucking two years through every single fucking executive thing that needs to be done. I mean, the fact that the fucking Jewish socialist is now in charge of the fucking purse strings. Eat that fucking karma, you fucking right-wing dickbags. <laughs> suck, there, on that there is fucking, suck on that karma dick. Like, suck it. Taste that. It's amazing. There is nothing sweeter than Bernie's new position. Fuck, I love it. It's perfect. I mean, (laughs) the thing was that ultimately he was never going to be able to be a president. It's same with Elizabeth Warren. Like, those two people should be in charge of policy. And now they're in charge of policy and purse strings. And it's perfect. And we need to fucking drag everyone kicking and screaming. The problem is the thing that the fucking left does really, really badly is it never takes credit for anything that it does. There's something gauche about it. But instead, they should fucking come out and be like, yeah, we gave you guys $50 minimum wage. You know why, why you can go to the doctor now when you couldn't prior? We gave you fucking health care. These guys on this side, they didn't fucking go for that. And I don't know and, why. And they, and, they, and they cut shit for regular people course, all the time. All the time. It's ridiculous. I mean, Mitch McConnell has now been reelected, what, 16 times or some crazy fucking shit? What the fuck are you thinking, Kentucky? You have the worst fucking education system. You have the worst health care in the fucking country. You get like $3 to every dollar that you have is presented, is given to you by fucking, in a socialist fucking way. Like I just, it's craziness. But ultimately it isn't because when you realize that, you know, those, those poor fucks on that side are all being fed massive amounts of disinformation. You know, like there was a, the other day when Biden was standing at the, at the, the, the side of the coffin of that cop who was killed, by the way, Blue Lives Matter people, killed a cop with a fire extinguisher. That dude is lying in state, and the president goes to visit with his wife, MSNBC, 
and CNN both have coverage of that. Do you know what Fox was covering? Fox was covering that a woman got thrown out of a basketball game the night before for yelling at LeBron. Oh, my God. That's what we're up against. You know, we need to fucking... People need to realize that, the, you know, the fairness doctrine that, that Reagan got rid of was a necessary tool to stop this from happening, and that was the beginning of the end. When the fairness doctrine... So the fairness doctrine was a couple of things, right? A, it said that TV news could not be a rated day part of your TV hour. Right, so you couldn't get ratings. So that's why TV, that's why news was always only fucking half an hour, because they were like, if we're gonna lose, let's put half an hour of news and then half an hour of, the, of Three's Company, and we'll make it up on that fucking last half hour. So you couldn't have ratings for your news. So that's the first thing that he gets rid of. So ratings can now be applied to news, which means that news needs to start being news magazines because the human beings are idiots and they want to see stories about cats and celebrities and not legit news. And what's even crazier about that is Patty Chayefsky had that down pat in the 1970s with Network. Yeah, what what, what, what Sidney Lumet brought, brought to the screen, I'm, it's, it's scary how relevant that film is each yeah. and every day. It, it, and it just keeps getting more and more relevant every day. It's crazy. And the other half of the Fairness Doctrine was that if you spent 10 minutes on a, a, the right, then you had to spend 10 minutes on the left. If you spent 10 minutes on the left, you had to speak for 10 minutes on the right. So you couldn't have this Fox News fucking bullshit where you can just create bullshit fucking mad cow disease of, inf of misinformation and never have to represent the left in that discussion. Reagan getting rid of the fairness doctrine is the beginning of the end. And then that fucking neo-liberal neo asshole Clinton allowing for radio stations and TV stations to own 15 signals in a fucking state that was the, that's the, the last coffin, the last nail in the coffin. So there's a, that that work needs to be fixed. Well, you could also say things like um, when when William F. Buckley and Gore Vidal used to do the uh, the debates, you had the most left wing guy you could and the most right wing guy you could, but at least they had civil discussions, and that that kind of just went away as the decades went on. But and it just I mean, became listen, even more and more polar, if you listen to polarized. NPR, NPR has a fucking show called Left, Right, and Center. And they have a guy from, they usually have like David Frum on the fucking right, somebody from the left, and the host is in the middle. And they have a fucking daily discussion. The amount of people that listen to fucking NPR is infinitesimal in comparison to the amount of people that listen to fucking Fox. So, True. you know, like there is broadcast there, are, you know, like this is the, you know, the great trick that the fucking Republicans have done is to convince people that not being smart is the smartest thing that they can be. Well, and another thing that's happened since the last time we spoke is the uprising in the streets. Are you, are you hopeful with the youth? Do you, do you think actual change is going to come from, from bringing social issues to the forefront? Do you think enough is being done there? Yeah, yeah I, I, you know, I think that the, the, the kids, in quotes, are, you know, they're always the engine of change, right? Like they've been, the kids have always been the engine of change. And that America is a 400-year-old child in the history of the world. I, you know, well, I, I, I'm English, man. I've stood in front of fucking Stonehenge, which is thousands of years B.C., so, uh, you know, like there's that country, much as it's completely fucked now, also has a very, very long history that it's 
struggle to come to terms with. America has come to terms with zero of the truth of its history. You have fucking kids are seeing pictures of pilgrims and Native Americans sitting at tables together and eating at Thanksgiving. Like, until America comes to terms with the fact that slavery was 236 years of its history and all of these horrible, abhorrent pieces that nobody talks about, until that is really discussed, I think it's very, very difficult for America to move past anything. Because in order for that to happen, you have to have a very honest discussion. And I think the kids are finally sort of forcing these discussions to be had. Uh, you know, as I, I heard Obama speak on a podcast and he was saying, you know, the, the problem is, is that the rate of societal change is mind-numbingly slow, especially if you're smart. You know, like when you're president, you are dragging, you're not, it's not 300 people in a line, it's 300 people in a line behind you. And at the end of it, or 300 million, at the end of it is the 300 millionth guy it, you got to drag that dude kicking and screaming to enlightenment. So it's an exhausting fucking job. Look at, I mean, look at how much he aged, dude. Those eight years, man, that guy looked like he aged 25 years. Yeah. Unbelievable the effect that that job has on the human who does it. Like, I'm concerned that Joe Biden's not going to make the four years. See, and that's exactly what my next point was going to be. What, what Do you think... He, do you think he's going to make it? Yeah. And and do you do you see the future of the party really being Kamala and some other looking entity? Yes. I think that Kamala Harris is obviously the next Joe Biden's not going to go for a second term. So the that that was the Kamala question was can you get Kamala Harris to be the candidate for 4 years time? And I think he can. Uh, I especially think you can if the if the if the Republicans continue to the, do their fuckery. You know the problem is is that Americans don't realize how much the electoral college is fucked. They don't realize how bad the gerrymandering is fucked. They don't realize the voter suppression that these fucking Republicans. You know, I mean, people are like seven million more people voted for Biden than voted for Trump, but the election still came down to forty thousand votes. So if Trump had gained it and got those 40,000 votes, this country would have been represented again by a president who lost the popular vote by 7 million people. That is not democracy. That is not a functioning electoral system. The Supreme Court does not represent a majority of Americans. 75% of Americans want gun control. 65% of Americans or 80% of Americans want nationalized fucking health care. 85% of Americans think that abortion should be legal and should be a fucking choice that women have. And the Supreme Court now represents a minority rule that does not, is not in alignment with fucking society. As the fucking same thing with, you know, like, we shouldn't have fucking politicians who are 80 years old. Sorry. I love old people. I've had my grandparents were old people. Those motherfuckers shouldn't have been deciding shit. And you certainly shouldn't be, <laughs> you shouldn't be deciding shit when you don't know how to run fucking email, dude. I don't know what TikTok is. I'm a 52-year-old man. I couldn't give a fuck about TikTok. Couldn't give a fuck about 90% of the shit that's happening on the web. And maybe I could take public office. But at 60 fucking five years old, I'm out. Pull the fucking plug, dude. If you're if if at 65 
you're, if at 65, you are forced into retirement by um, a corporation, then why the fuck are you not forced into retirement by a political corporation? And, and there also needs to be the addressing of, of term limits. Of course, same thing. Especially on like the local levels, it's oh. it's ridiculous how how crazy and how outlandish it's truly gotten. Oh. Well, the thing that annoys me about that is that these fucking assholes are all about the fucking, you know, the, uh, you know, the Constitution and blah 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 blah. It's like, uh, hey, the original framing of this thing said that there were term limits. I believe you're only supposed to get two terms in the original. <laughs> Because that way, what happened was you went, you spent your first term learning the job, your second term doing the job, and then you had to fuck off back home and deal with the responsibility of living under the rules that you had brought to bear in your two terms. So you would return to your fucking land, and you would return to your house and return to your community and be like, hey, remember that rule that you made that's fucking did this? It's kind of fucked this all up. And you're like, oh, shit, I got to live under that fucking thing now. There's people that have, that the founding fathers knew that lifelong politicians, career-long politicians, is a terrible, terrible idea. Because that's all the royal family was. Well, let's move into music a little bit now. A little bit of film. I'm so excited that you were talking about the Replacements documentary on, on one of your sessions recently. Like... Can we stop doing documentaries like this? It really just reminded me of... Do you remember those old straight-to-DVD unauthorized by the band? Yeah. Fucking kind of things? Terrible. It was like, it was like a glorified version of that. So bad. For, for, for a band that needs a hell of a lot more respect, especially from, from the community that watches those kinds of things. Like... Yeah, it was just really what bad. Were, I mean, like, I can understand, like, maybe, you know, uh, maybe doing a documentary without the band's authorization, maybe. But when you choose to do a documentary like that without the band's authorization, you have to be v- so much better at it. You have to be mm-hmm. so much more careful. You have to be so much more fucking artistic. And your storytelling has to be so, you know, it's, it's way harder and just simply having fucking badly lit, sweaty people sitting on couches in fucking places telling meaningless stories that are also then like somewhat, it seemed like, out of chronology. And also like, why the fuck are we talking to these people? Are you trying to tell me that like you couldn't, you couldn't get Johnny fucking from the Goo Goo Dolls to talk to you about the fucking replacements and what they meant? It was just... Was so badly done, but yeah, like the unauthorized are just they, they're they're you know like if the band doesn't want their story told, then either don't tell the story or you have to tell the story twice as well as you would have if the band had helped you tell the story. Have you found that you're watching a lot more just documentaries in general during the pandemic? Uh, I've always been a big documentary guy, so it doesn't. Uh, I think the thing that it allowed me to do was like I didn't realize how deep the uh, prime bench was for music docs. So I've been watching docs on bands that I probably wouldn't have prior, uh, like the Chicago one and things like that, especially with, you know, the job that I'm doing currently. Uh, It helps to have all of that background information. So I've definitely been watching things that I, bands that I wouldn't have watched prior, but I'm a a huge documentary guy. Like I want to, I have a goal to make, Three documentaries in my career, in quotes. So watching other people's documentaries is 
a great way to learn how to not do it. Replacements documentary people. Well, I'm, okay. I'm curious. What what would you say that you've learned the most, and and the mistakes that you want to absolutely make sure that you don't make when you go in there to do your own? Uh, I think you have to have a story, and the story shouldn't just be the story of the band. You know, I like. I think that a, a you know when a music documentary has a story that helps frame the story of the band, it makes it infinitely more compelling for the people that are watching it. Uh, I think, you know, enough of the, the documentary, like if you ever seen the, the documentary dig. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and like that's yeah, it's great. very, you know, she's very lucky because she was, you know, at a nexus point where those two bands, you know, it was like the perfect time to catch those two bands. If you haven't watched it, it's the story of the Dandy Warhols and the Brian Jonestown Massacre and how one, you know, goes to worldwide success and the other one just flames out in a fucking massive dysfunction, alcoholism, drug addiction, but also genius music. Um, so I think that, you know, that's what I would be trying to do is to try, uh, is to, try to tell the story of these things that I want to talk about, but do it in a way that has... Of uh, you know a non-conformist framework, so the story is the story itself is as interesting as the story that you're telling, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Last time we were talking about great TV and and how this is the golden age of TV, we're about to go into this era of what everybody actually did during the pandemic. Yeah. What do you think it's gonna What do you think it's gonna look like? Do you think music, movies, television, in the next little bit? are going to just be barely fucking watchable? Or do you think people actually stepped up to the plate this time? Um, I think that there's actually, I think there's going to be a period where nobody's going to want to talk about this thing. I don't think we're going to see pandemic discussions. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see, I think everyone's so fried by this thing and it's such a specific experience that we've never had before that I don't think anyone is going to want to watch an analysis of this thing or stories based around this thing for, I would hope, at least five years. Do you think we're going to get a lot of these secret underground things that were that were filmed or recorded? Oh, yeah, I've got so and, many of my friends are working on things right now. You know, there's, there's a new job in L.A. and it's or in Hollywood. It's called the COVID Compliancy Officer. You know, and a bunch of my friends who are nurses and doctors or nurses have NPAs are now COVID Compliancy Officers on movies and TV. Uh, you know, a friend of mine is working on a, a, a big TV show um, and it's they've, they were going to go to Canada, but now they've decided to go to upstate New York and they're basically, you know, a production island for three months and nobody can leave or come in, you know, until you've been tested and blah, 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 blah. So it's been going on for a while. I mean, I see driving around L.A., I see productions everywhere, um, and, which is great. But having done a couple of them, it's disconcerting. It's really weird, uh, but you know this town has to. This, this town's got to get back to work. Um, so I think that there is, you know, as people are really coming to terms with how you can do it, and the fact that you can. A friend of mine works on Jeopardy and a couple of those fucking TV shows, and you know the fact that they've worked out that you can do it. It just sucks. Is better than not doing it or doing it wrong. So the, the more they do it right, and the more they get this nailed down. You know, I uh, uh, the better off you are. And then there's the whole thing of live streaming right now, 
Have you caught any live streams? Do you think that going forward, this is going to be more in the in a band's like toolbox? Or do you think yeah, that I it's going to kind of fade away? No, I think that one of the things that, uh, you know, there's been a number of pivots in a number of ways. And I think that one of the, um, one of the pivots is that bands have realized that there, there are other ways to reach fans that are unique and interesting that don't include traveling all over the place to go and do shows. And I think that those will continue. But what I would like to see is I would like to see a hybrid where bands also realize that you can do, you know, really cool performances from your living room and you don't have to be on tour and that you can tour and you can do both. Like my plan is to, is to do a hybrid where, you know, once I'm allowed to travel around the country again, doing what I was doing prior, I will still continue to do some sort of Instagram sessions. And, you know, there's a couple of other bigger things that I'm working on right now. Um, that are a little, little uh, top secret, but are, you know, really moving the goalposts of the streaming performance. And the goal is to do those as well, so that you can now have, you know, a number of uh, outlets in your arsenal. Um, because it's, you know, ultimately, like when I do an Instagram session, I've got people from fucking Jakarta, New Zealand, Switzerland, Iceland, uh, you know, England, Germany. Uh, so I'm doing uh, Japan, China. So I'm doing a, a show where there are, you know, I, my outreach is, you know, borderless, which I couldn't have done prior. You know, and it's great because that ultimately, you know, all of it filters back to live shows. So, you know, now I'm like, okay, maybe I'll go to Australia. And if I only do a show for 30 people in Australia, if I'm not in it for the money, if I'm in it to go back to Australia the next time and do 200 people, then that's the way that you do it. Well, even this show, the fact that I have more of an audience in somewhere like Ghana or Brazil than I do a Canada or America blows my mind every yeah. time. I mean the, yeah, the, you know, the democratization of the uh, of the you know the 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 audience through these platforms and being able to have a worldwide audience is is unbelievable. I mean that's never occurred before. It's a difficult platform to do compelling content. You know I'm lucky in that the idea of the thing that I do is already unique that i'm just a dude doing it you know like the there's other guys like rick beato who does his thing on youtube but it's not live and it's not done the way that i do it uh mine you know the fact that like i do mine and then they disappear and they're not archived and you can't ever hear it again is a point of pride for me like i do that on purpose because that to me creates a really sort of a very special and unique experience that only the people in the room that day got to experience, whether it's 800 people last night we did, you know, I did Michael Jackson. And by the end of the fucking thing, we had Maxwell, Jimmy jam pause from fucking day law, Melba Moore, DJ premier, you know, and these are and DJ D nice was in there, you know, and it's all these blue check marks who are experiencing something in a way that everybody else who's not a blue check mark is experiencing it. And then it disappears. And if you weren't there for that experience, you didn't get to have it. And that to me in a, in a day of, you know, in a, in a, 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 an atmosphere of like everything being on demand, that is my, that's one of my favorite things about it. If not my favorite thing. 
Do you find it easier getting your hands on material these days? Mm, no, it's always been. If you know where to look, it's always been there. Uh, I, it's. I, I will say that the the level of stuff that I've been getting of late has definitely. Uh, you know, there are there are bands that I'm like, wow, I can't believe this. So, like, I could only have it was only two Elton John songs for a few years, and now I probably have ten Elton John songs. Um, so that was, that was awesome. Um, but I think, you know, like having now done this for as long as I have, I always had a pretty good library. I think that the, um, if you know where to look, there's amazing resources. You just know, you have to know where to look. Have you been keeping up with new music though? Has anything stuck out to you lately? Um, my relationship with music is really, it's a bummer. It's very, you know, I've lost in in as much as I've gained, I've definitely lost. I don't listen to music in my house anymore, which sucks. I have a you know a very nice stereo system there. I have very expensive speakers over there, um, and I I listen to like I have five thousand dollars speakers that are the most expensive podcast listening speakers on the fucking planet, um, <laughs> because I have so much music in the house that I don't you know I, I don't listen to music here. I listen to music in the car a lot. Um, and my Spotify playlist will occasionally bring me new things. Uh, my album of the year for 2020 was uh, Nation of Language, um, which I, I loved. It's very it's 80s synth pop. Uh, but then my song of the year was uh, a band called Idols, and they had a song called Grounds. And that, it was, it, that was an awesome album. That fucking record is bananas good. I can't wait to see those dudes live. Uh, one of my favorite records so far this year is the, the Sleaford Mods new record is really great. Um, but it's, you know, it's also really, you know, a friend of mine is up on all of the new shit, but it's like a full-time fucking job. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like it used to be, you know, there's certainly, there's another democratization that's happened with so much music being available. But, you know, as my friend Matt from the smoking tire said, he's like, turns out, the uh, you know the 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 gateway to doing a decent podcast wasn't the technology. Same thing with great music. Turns out the gateway to making great music wasn't being able to record the great music because <laughs> everybody can do that, and we don't have a lot of great music coming out. Um, we have a lot of mediocre stuff, but there's still you know there's still really good shit. I'm not one of these people who's like, oh my god, music was so much better back in the day. No, I mean, you know, there's really good music out now. It's just much harder to find it. Um, and it's harder for people like, you know, someone like me where music is your life. So you don't listen to it in the way that you used to. And, I, and I'm bummed. I definitely miss it. Let's get a little controversial for a minute. The whole, the whole thing going down right now with Marilyn Manson. Oh, yeah. What, what do you think about this? Do you think that we that we kind of need to get to a place in society where we're trying to fix people and not just cancel people? Or, or do you think that... Yeah, I mean, I had a friend of mine got canceled this fucking summer for something that he really didn't... Or last summer for something that he really didn't do. Um, and I, and, it, it and was, it's a scary thing. It was really painful to watch, you know? There is a clarification as to what is... You know, things that might have been appropriate prior are no longer appropriate because consent is a thing. And, you know, we there's a lot more information. Obviously, the Marilyn Manson situation is 
is far beyond consent. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, that's, that's a difficult thing because that's obviously a very smart person. Marilyn Manson is very, very intelligent. He, he is also a character. He's also an addict. He's also, you know, deeply troubled. And, you know, the, the, the woman that he was with was not a woman when they were initially together. She was a young woman. Some would say even a girl. And um, there's a power dynamic. And that person can wake up 20 years later or 10 years later and be like, wait, what the fuck did I participate in that I was unaware of? Because I wasn't old enough to really be able to, you know, and also remember that that's somebody who was in an industry where she was incredibly, you know, she was well known and celebrated at a very early age as well. And that will fuck your mind up. I've got friends of mine who were child stars or people I know who were child stars who are horked beyond recognition by that experience. So there's a lot to, there's a lot of play there. And I think that one of the things that I would hope needs to happen is that there does need to be more discussion about these things, not simply like Marilyn Manson's a fucking scumbag, throw him away and let's move on. It's like, no, let's talk about why that is. Let's talk about how that happened. And also recognize that, yeah, he might have been a fucking scumbag and done really ill shit. Like abuse is not cool. <laughs> like that simple like abuse is not cool any kind of abuse emotional mental physical violence in any relationship is not cool um and is something that should be discussed and not simply be either cancel culture and then we don't talk about it or we just go that's abusive and then we move on you know there's a it's like all these things there's no it's the same thing with the political discussion. There's no nuance or subtlety anymore because everything is a tweet. And, you know, you can't have nuance and subtlety in a fucking tweet. And we need to understand the nuance and subtleties of, of the situation. You know, like, I did Michael Jackson last night and it's really difficult to, to do Michael Jackson songs when you are, f oh, you know, I've watched all the documentaries and I'm fully aware of what that person was charged with. And I'm fairly sure he did those things. I'm one of those people. But I also know that Michael Jackson was horribly, horribly, horribly abused. Well, and, and that's the thing. Do you think that we need to spend more time separating the artist from the art and working on those artists that are <laughs> maybe not so good of, of human beings and working on them at a human level and taking art as art and not associating it with the artist? Or do you think that you, you can't do that, especially in today's society? It's a, it's a really, it's, it's a very, very complicated Gordian knot of a situation. And it's one that, you know, the answer is that we need to discuss it. We need to work out what we do with that, you know? Do we, and, and if, you know, like, what do you give a pass for? And are we giving a pass? Like, you know, can I play a Michael Jackson song? Like, I certainly have a different relationship to Michael's music now than I did prior to the information that I gathered, you know? Uh, can you watch a Roman Polanski film? You know, like, 
is there a difference between a director being a rapist and the songwriter being a rapist? I don't know. You know, I don't have as much of an affinity for film as an art form, so I don't really give a fuck if I ever see another uh, Roman Polanski film, but I've got film friends who would probably, you know, have a very different perspective on that. Uh, how do I deal with, you know, like Phil Spector recently passed away and I put a tile up and got a lot of fucking grief back on Instagram from people being like, don't, you know, you're, you're applauding this person. I'm like, I'm not actually. This person is a fucking psychopath. But this person's effect on the art form that I focus on is without doubt. Phil Spector is a massive moving force in the history of popular music and therefore popular culture. I don't think Roman Polanski had as, has as great a shadow to cast, um, but I might be wrong about that. It might just be because I'm being myopic because I'm a, uh, you know, a music fan and not a film fan, but it is a really complicated discussion. It's a really difficult thing to talk about. Like, do we cancel Marilyn Manson entirely? I don't know. I'm luckily, I'm not a fan of him. I, you know, for the moment won't do any Michael, you know, I didn't do Michael Jackson for a while after the documentaries came out. Uh, and then when I did, I addressed the elephant in the room. I addressed it last night, but I didn't, it's tougher to do on Instagram because there's, you know, it's a little bit more of a, a bizarre platform to have that level of discussion. And so I said, you know, all I can say about that is that trauma is real. And that trauma affects everybody. And everyone in that story is traumatized, whatever the truth is. And because <clears throat> there were people in the room who'd worked on that record. There are people in the room who are friends of his. And, you know, it's not, a, that's not an environment to be able to have a discussion. So, you know, I have to recognize what we're dealing with and then move on and simply, yes, take the artist and the problem to minimize it to a single word and separate the two and allow that discussion to happen at a later point because the truth the truth isn't out on Michael Jackson we don't know the truth we have two different sides of a story and both of them seem valid you know and then at the end of the day like the FBI investigated and found nothing so are we then going to say that the FBI was bought off by Sony because Sony was like, we need the money from Michael Jackson, so the FBI can't find any, you know, like, wh at what point does, you know, like, do you know what Occam's razor is? Yeah. So, Mike, you know, I always, with things like that, I always use Occam's razor, right? And if you're new to Occam's razor, it's like a philosophical discussion tool that the Greeks created where basically uh, the, uh, the simplest answer is the answer. It's pretty much what Occam's razor boils down to. So Occam's razor can't really be applied to Michael Jackson because the simplest answer, if you watch the documentaries where the boys are talking, is that, yeah, he did it. But then when you go to the other side of it and you look at the investigations and you look on the amount of people who, who say that he didn't do it, that it was not those things, and the amount of evidence against the two boys, you're like, okay, Occam's razor doesn't work there either. Like, why were those documentaries pulled down? Did Sony have that much power? Maybe, but I don't think they had enough power to be able to sway an FBI investigation. Well, it's even the same with Ryan Adams. He has now been cleared by the FBI, 
And there's still a lot of people that are 100% convinced right. he's still, like, they don't give a shit that the FBI cleared him. Right. So, you know, you get into a situation where, you know, what is the, are these punishments forever? I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's very complicated. Uh, so I, you know, I choose to engage, I choose to engage in the discussion. Like I don't, you know, if Marilyn Manson came out, you know, it was revealed that he had raped Rachel a bunch of times and blah, 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 blah. I don't need to do a Marilyn Manson song ever. Cause I don't think that Marilyn Manson's place in music history is as significant as Michael Jackson, so I don't need to engage in that complicated discussion. I'll just abdicate. I'll just be like, I'm not doing Marilyn Manson songs. Like, there's no reason for me to concern myself with that. I don't need to. If I want to discuss how we deal with damaged artists, their art, their crimes, and horrible things that they've done, I will do that with somebody who who is, you know, the discussion itself is worth it because of the the importance of the art that's being discussed, if that makes any sense. Of course. I might be completely wrong about that. <laughs> I don't know. And that's the point. Like, we, we'd, we'd need to, we need to talk about it. It needs to be discussed. And, and, like, from a base education level, everything needs to be talked about, from racial injustices to where we go from here. 100%. In, in, in terms of canceling, the education system in North America and, frankly, the world, honestly, from this point forward, has to change. Well, I think it is. I mean, that's one of the things that's happened with the interwebs, right, is that, you know, I was talking about it just now in, my, in discussing, you know, Laura Jane Grace from uh, Against Me. And, you know, you, you we, we're now having discussions around gender that we weren't having 10 years ago. I mean, 10 years ago, the idea of one of my friends being a they was very, very fucking fringe, <laughs> you know, way off in the distance. I had, I had never experienced a they, maybe, maybe in New York in the club scene, but that would have been, or, or, you know, or the music scene there. Uh, but it wasn't like it was in San Francisco when I was talking to somebody and they were they because it was it was no longer an outlier. It was a, it was like those those pronouns are being changed in company emails, you know, like people's profiles on Instagram have he that you know like the people he him she her you know, they, them, like people are, are clearly marking that territory out in a way that they haven't prior. And that is part of what we were talking about earlier, where the rate of societal change is incredibly slow, but the Instagram has hyperspeeded it for sure. You know, because kids are now finding community that they didn't have prior. If you were a gay kid in fucking Kansas in 1985 your experience of being gay in 1985 in Kansas is markedly different than your experience of being gay in 2021 in Kansas. You know, I was at a school with, that was an art school. And, a, you know, many of my friends were coming out in college and that was the beginning of like, I mean, you know, when I went to high school, if you had a, depending on what ear you had your earring in was whether you were gay or not. What? Like, that's what we were dealing with? Like, if you had your earring in your fucking right ear, you were gay. If you had it in your left ear, you were straight. So I had it in both and confused everybody. 
because <laughs> that's like that's so gay it's straight like i don't even know what that means like you got both in that's for girls so what i mean is like that you know like that's 1986 to 2021 where now we're talking about they's and companies changing pronouns in emails to recognize the you know so i think that we have you know we are definitely I mean, this is to bring it all back. Like, this is why the Republican side of the of the aisle is a going crazy and b having to do all of the fuckery that it has to do because it realizes that ultimately it is losing control of the society it wants to control. You know, America is significantly more liberal than it wants to own up to being because you know big cities create liberal conclaves talking to a friend of mine about it yesterday when you have you know when you're in a big like they've done research when you're in a big city and you're surrounded by a multitude of um creeds colors sexual orientations etc you meet people and you're like oh you're gay but you're going through the same fucking struggles as i am oh you're black but you're going through the same struggles as i am oh you're hispanic you're like all of these things you're trans and you're going through this. Oh, we're all just fucking trying to get the groceries for the fucking week and battle traffic. Oh, we're really just all the same underneath all this. It's significantly harder when you are, you know, removed from that and living in, you know, towns where there aren't people of color. There aren't out people who are, you know, just living regular lives. So your level of empathy for those people is reduced because you don't have a daily interaction with them. So as cities become more and you know bigger and you know also I, I genuinely do think it's the internet it's people being able to you know go and find like-minded like-spirited people and realize that they're not alone you know and create community I mean there are fucking kids who've like never met their if there are kids that have never met their best friends you know I saw a fucking news article and there's like kids who fucking live you know 500 miles away or a thousand miles away. And their best friends have like seven-year best friendships and they've never been in the same town together because their, their internet friendship is so strong. So I think that, you know, the, 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 the web has accelerated this open-minded thing that's happening and this evolution, which is why we're dealing with old white men who are not happy about that. It has also accelerated the hateful <laughs> parts of society as well, though. I don't know if it's accelerated. I think what it's done is it, they were always there. It's allowed them to now, com they, they can now communicate with each other. Whereas before it was like, what, if you were a fucking neo-Nazi in, you know, Alabama, it was, you, it was harder for you to be able to have daily interactions with the fucking, the Nazis in New York. You might get together for a nice fucking clan rally once a year and a and fucking <laughs> barbecue and truck pull. You know, you might do that, but you're not going to daily be able to interact and be like, hey, what the fuck are they? Let's do this. We got it. So now you can have those, those levels of, of interaction and community. And, it, and, and what it does allow is it allows for um, recruitment in a way that didn't happen prior. So I, I don't know if it's grown it in that... The, I don't think the mindset has organically grown. I think that the cancer has found new tissue to live in. What can we expect from you coming up? 
Fuck knows. I'm going to keep fucking doing these Instagram sessions at 11 a.m. Uh, Monday through Friday. It's 11 a.m. Pacific time um, on uh, the session IG Live. I do two songs a day, and then Wednesday nights I do them at 7 um, p.m. And then uh, occasionally during the week if I get really, really bored, um, I'll, do, I'll do one of those. Um, so the best thing to do is just follow that page. And then I got a couple bigger things that I'm currently trying to get off the ground um just because i can't i can't be you know immobile much longer so i gotta you know like you fucking not only got jimmy jam to participate you fucking got him to call you out and then give you permission at the same time for what you're doing that's 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 pretty impressive yeah that was a fucking funny moment in the phone call when he was like yeah man i gotta be honest i don't dig what you're doing at all and i was like wait what i thought you were like my biggest fan he's like yeah yeah no it's i don't i don't think it's cool remotely i was like wait how did this happen i thought i was the boy and he was like yeah yeah well you know i gotta be honest like you shouldn't have access to that shit and i was like no and he was like i don't i'm actually right now i'm getting together one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one. Jan- Jimmy Jam produced Janet Jackson sessions that he doesn't have that I'm going to put on a fucking hard drive and send to him. Fuck yeah! <laughs> he was like, he was like, you'll do that. I'm like, of course I'll do that. It's your fucking. This is your work. Like the fact that you don't have it. I mean, he has it on reel to reel, but like. The expense of going to a studio to sit there and hire the fucking studio to run a fucking reel to reel off through the board and all that kind of shit. It's, it's, you know, it's a fucking, it's a huge amount of work. That's hours and hours. And I literally, the Russians have already done it all. <laughs> so he's, you know, he's like, I think he thinks I'm going to send him like four. I'm like, no, I think I have, you know, at least three or four songs off of every Janet record they did. So it's pretty good. So I'm hoping that'll, uh, that'll appease the, the, uh, the squad father as I'm starting to call him now. <laughs> Lovely chap. Yeah, dude, sitting on the phone with him for like four, it was almost four and a half hours last night. Like high as fuck sitting, listening to this dude tell like the most ridiculous fucking stories and, like, he'd be telling a Michael Jackson story. And the fucking thing is, like, when you... if you, I don't know if you know what he sounds like, but he literally sounds like Obama. So the whole time, I was having to, like, sit there and remind myself that I wasn't talking to President Obama. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't President Obama who was telling me about what it was like to go to high school with Prince. Yeah, that's, that's so fucking crazy that he went to high school with Prince. Like, that's... It's crazy. That's insane. Not only did he go to high school with Prince, but, like, he played in a band with Prince. Like, they jammed together. He was the drummer, and Prince was the guitar player of, like, the high school jam band. And he's like, and then I'd go and see this, like, five-foot-two motherfucker, like, play basketball, and all the chicks would show up. And he was, like, Prince with the huge fro, like, just... (laughs) Like, sinking three-pointers from, like, half court. And then his brother, I guess, is, like... Prince's brother is like, you know, huge. So the two of them played on the same team and were just like feeding each other the ball the whole fucking time. And you're sitting there like, and then he starts to tell like Michael Jackson stories. And then when he tells a Michael Jackson story, 
when he talks, when he like tells the Michael Jackson bit, he does this like spot on Michael Jackson impersonation. So you're sitting on the phone, like listening to a guy who sounds like Obama pretending to be Michael Jackson, <laughs> telling you like, and I'm just sitting there. I was like, dude, this is way a lot considering how high I am. Okay. Speaking of how high you were, I thought that you were allergic to weed now. What, what, what do you, <laughs> how do you I'm indulge? Just, I'm, I'm just suffering through it. It sucks. <laughs> suffering through it. It's well, really hard. You know, it's, it's a fucking year of this shit, you know, and like that, you know, that drug fucking helps. Are, are you all about like the fucking edibles or do you prefer? No. no, it doesn't really matter if it's THC or it's smoked. You still get the same allergic reaction. I don't like edibles because edibles isn't, you know, like what you're, most people don't know that like when you eat an edible, it actually takes the mushrooms. It takes the marijuana and your stomach enzymes make the THC look a lot more like psilocybin, which is why people have trips on edibles that go badly fucking sideways. It's because it's not weed. Your whole body is like basically dealing with like a, an asats kind of psilocybin. And that's why people don't understand that about weed. So when you eat, you know, it's not the same high as when you, um, when you smoke. Smoking is obviously really bad for you. Um, and vaping is even worse. Like I'm a little worried about Matt, like Matt's doing a lot of fucking pen vaping and I'm like, watch that shit, dude, because it'll just hit you like this fucking cannabinoid hyperenesis syndrome just fucking hits. There's no ramp up to it. You just wake up one day and you're fucked. So I got to talk to him about it. Like stick to the flower, you know, much as the vape, vape pens are so convenient. Do, Do you think that your lungs are like, do they feel better over the last year or not really? Yeah, they definitely, I mean, dude, I, I haven't, I've watched friends have asthma attacks and it felt like I had asthma like 24 hours a day. Like my, I was, I was breathing and it would be like, <laughs> it was like wheezing. It was really bad. So I shouldn't, you know, I'm, I'm absolutely being incredibly irresponsible with what I'm doing, but my lungs do feel a lot better. Now I'm going to go and start exercising and like trying to get back outside because it just is fucking bananas what we're going through. Um, and I think that that will help. But obviously the goal is to just stop smoking eventually. But I think in the middle of a fucking year long global pandemic, that's not going to end anytime soon. As long as I'm willing. I think another thing that I've been doing actually is interesting, which is like this is the most defeat uh, statement I'll, I'll hopefully make in our conversation is like I've, I've started drinking a lot of kombucha and uh through that my stomach has actually really really calmed down so i think that the you know the probiotic stuff in you know and they get good quality kombucha which is an even more effete statement um i think that has helped out significantly because i haven't been suffering as bad as i was and i'm also not smoking every day like i'm trying to really not smoke every day why well, brew beer? And I have lots of guys that brew kombucha, and they're like, "You need to, you need to try it. It's very similar to brewing beer, but you can." You, oh, you should absolutely do. Yeah, you can like mess with the flavor profiles so much that they're like, "You got to try it. You got to try it." Yeah, and it's also, you know, it's a really, it's really, really good for you. You know, if you get a good quality kombucha that's all live. Um, you know, live ingredients and the the probiotic stuff that it does to your stomach, and you know, there's so I, I it's expensive, but uh, I think that uh, there's probably a pretty good profit margin in it if you decided to do artisanal kombuchas. 
Did, did you get a chance to see Mank? What did you think? I did see Mank, and uh, Gary Oldman is obviously fucking amazing. I was I, I know a little bit about the story of... I mean, obviously, the making, the actual construction of that movie, Mank, is incredible. The color palette, you know, no, everybody involved in that knew exactly what they were doing. I was a little confused as to... It did the. It, it seemed like the third act got a little weird. It got a. It got a little bit ahead of everybody, and it didn't really resolve for me the way that I know that the original story resolves. In that the question as to whether Mank had written the whole thing, or if Orson Welles had anything to do with it. Um, I, do you have any? Uh, do you have, know anything about the story enough to clarify some of that shit? See, I know that when it gets to the third act and beyond, and when we're really getting into what he wrote and what he didn't write, <clears throat> you're you're using a lot of his drunken ramblings at like three mm. in the morning, and we're right. and everybody's kind of going off this, and you'll get a completely different answer from Ben Mankiewicz, who's on TCM, and it's his, I forget how they're related, but you'll get a completely different answer from him than you will from somebody that's that, that's an Orson biographer. Right, so it's right. really everything is so murky that when Fincher was writing the screenplay, he pretty much had to go into the murky bits because he right. he also he had to continue to tell the story that he was telling, but kind of blur the lines everywhere. So that's kind of why right. it becomes messy in that third act because nobody really knows what's happening. That's there. right, right, right. So that's why yeah, it think- goes there. It's a it's a it's a fascinating character study. You know, I think if I had if I had done it, I would have taken a little bit more dramatic license, and I would have actually uh, I would have I would have written Orson Welles as a shadowy character that we never actually see or speak to, which ends up being a little bit more like you know the the. Uh, the Citizen Kane character of his own Citizen Kane story, and I will um, uh, the- I, w- I will say if that if there's one downfall in the film, it's that they showed Orson at all. It should have been right. the shadow figure in that way. Yeah, he should have just been you know he should have been a, a guy in his you know a, a metaphorical castle on the hill with his rosebud and all that sort of shit. Because basically, you know, in a, in a really weird way, I suppose the movie becomes. Rosebud for Orson Welles. I mean, it's such a bizarre career. And then, you know, like it really is. What is he like, 23 when that movie happens or whatever the fuck it is? Yeah, it's 23, 24. Yeah. I mean, you know, that, that is. That's such a crazy fucking arc. And then to end up, you know, being a drunk fucking, you know, just, you know, worse than. Worse than uh, Marlon. You know, like the, the 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 fall from grace for Orson Welles is really sad. What is it? The uh, they will love me when I'm gone, or or whatever the name of that documentary is on Orson Welles, um, which is actually what ends up happening is he's infinitely more respected in his death than he was in his in his life, which is really sad. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's you'll love me when I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a really sad story. It's a cautionary tale of you know, like living in this city. I have friends of mine that are cautionary tales, you know, like I have people who are in my life where you're, 
you know, that's, I think it's one of the things that is uh, the psychologically somewhat abusive about living in Hollywood is that, especially when you, not to, you know, it's it sounds worse than I mean it. It's like when you sort of move up in a tier or a couple of tiers into the people where you're not simply just hanging out and living in L.A., you're actually walking through Hollywood and dealing with Hollywood and dealing with people in Hollywood. Um, the experience of watching what this place does to people is really, really sad sometimes. You know, like I was, uh, I was pretty good friends with Corey Feldman when I first moved out here. And we sort of drifted apart, which also happens. Um, but it was, you know, like he and I would sit and have conversations about his journey. And it was just fucking heartbreaking, dude. Heartbreaking. I mean, at the peak of his powers, they were living, he, his brother, and his dad were living in a one bedroom, or I think it was a one bedroom, maybe it might have been a two bedroom apartment over a laundromat in the valley because his dad was pissing away all of his money on gambling. Meanwhile, he was like, you know what Ricky Schroeder's parents, this is him talking to me, he's like, you know what Ricky Schroeder's parents did with his first fucking royalty checks from uh, Silver Spoons? And I was like, what? He goes, they bought him four fucking Taco Bells in the valley. And those things just made that fucking guy money forever. Forever. And his dad literally gambled all of those millions and millions and millions away. It was really sad. It was, uh, it was like one of those things where you're like, holy shit. Because that was back in the day when like kid stars, nobody was looking out for them. It's like the same thing as the, you know, the fucking different strokes folks and all those. Like nobody was looking out for kid stars at that point. They were just fucking mulched and spat back out. I mean, inf- they're infinitely more guarded and financially taken care of with money going to trusts that people can't touch and blah, 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 blah. But back then it was just fucking open season, especially if your father was managing you at the same time. All the money went to that guy. So it's, you know, it, there's, there are cautionary tales around you all the time when you live in this place. Well, it's funny that you mentioned the father thing because what do you think about the whole Britney, Britney thing coming to light? And, and the tragedy. It's, it's tragedy. fucking crazy. It's tragedy. I mean, you know, anyone who was, it was interesting. There was a, somebody posted a, um, a video snippet of craig ferguson when he uh did a thing on his show he was like i'm gonna stop making fun of britney spears and like the crowd was like laughing and he's like no no i'm serious like we need this is a person who is like mentally unwell because of the pressure cooker of what her life is like i mean when you're in the valley shaving your fucking head in a tattoo parlor because you want to destroy yourself you are no longer you're you're no longer tethered to any reality whatsoever and you need to be genuinely helped at that point because you, how old was she fucking 22 when that shit was happening yeah cuz she'd been going since she was 13 and she was a star at fucking 16 dressed up in catholic school uniforms and fucking sexualized and singing in that you know those fucking lyrics and those songs and then all of a sudden you know, it just barrel rolls and then Timberland, Timberlake and all those fucking, like the whole story just 
It's just, you know, if you're outside of that, you're watching it like this is a slow motion car accident. And then it ends. And then, you know, her clearly, you know, fuck her dad. Like that whole thing where he's he has like governance over all of her money. She's a grown woman. Grown woman doing, you know, like, and he takes all of her money and then she gets the money from it's like, what the fuck is, and he, you know, everyone's like, victory, you know, victory for Britney. And actually, nothing has really drastically changed. Like, I was reading through the agreement and the agreement's not that different. It's just slightly different. She doesn't, she still doesn't get access to all of her money. It has to go through somebody else to go to her. Yeah. And, and it's kind of, <clears throat> there, there's more of, of her mother's involvement now than right than her the, father the dad. but still it's not it's not a victory by any stretch it's not a victory I think she's a grown woman and that's her money she earned that money if anything she paid the price for that money like that's truly the you know like she paid a, a horrible price for that amount of fame and that amount of of money like you know i was reading her a thing and they were saying that you know the, if you if you track child stars they all fall off if you get success in like your 30s you tend to be able to sustain that through to your you know your retirement and ultimately to your death but if you hit in the 17 to 23 year old range to a man it never it never ends well because you can't handle it especially fame at that level I would never want that. Well, speaking of mental health issues, because you're in L.A., do you see a tide changing? Do you see a conversation <laughs> essentially happening now? Is Are things looking up, especially in, the, in all the entertainment communities within L.A.? Do you see a change? Uh, I don't know if I'm close enough to see a change. I do think that there is now... You know, I think that in society in general, there is a, uh, a sort of acceptance of the fact that if you look, if you look at most people who succeed in some way, shape, or form in any of the creative industries, they are genuine. Generally, there is some sort of mental health issue, good or bad. You know, like, I mean, I, 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 I say that, like, I, I don't know how anyone could come and see my live show and sit in the crowd and not look at the stage and be like, that is a mentally unwell person. <laughs> like, I don't know how you could watch my show and not be like, that guy, there's something going on behind that dude's eyes that aren't, it's not quite fucking firing right. And that's what makes, that's what allows me to do what I'm doing. You know, I think that inherently to forge you know to 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 try to accomplish something when all of society is telling you that's not the smart thing to do that's not the way it's done that's not the way to you know get yourself a fucking job and a retirement account and a wife and the two poor husband and the 2.5 and do it that way that's that's what living on planet earth and you're like no 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 i'm gonna i'm gonna go over here and basically fucking throw all of that against the wall and just see what i can do you have to have some sort of, you know, A, you have to have a level of narcissism that allows you to believe that the world should bend to your will. Um, and I think there are obviously degrees of narcissism in people. Um, but I think there's also a, you know, you have to not be able, you have to be able to think in a way that isn't traditional thought. 
And I think that there's a, having watched so many cautionary tales and so many people fall off, I think that there is, obviously, as I was talking prior, like, they now protect child stars. There's like, you can't work that much. You have to do this. They have to be teachers on set, blah, 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 blah. Like all of that stuff and protecting their money and making sure that, you know, people aren't just using you as a fucking cash cow. So I think that there are, you know, there are protections being put into place, but it's the beginning. I think we're at the beginning of, of the early beginnings of a conversation, not a, not a, we're not in the middle bit of that conversation yet. Cause I don't think we're in the middle bit of that conversation in society in general. The second acquittal. Um, (laughs) Is there any way, is there any way to get, to get all these Republicans out in, 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 in a, in a timely manner at this point? And how, how do you see us changing the red States? How do you see us changing the Bible belt? Do you think democracy is dead now with, with the second acquittal essentially? No, I think that the Republican Party is playing a very, very dangerous game of chicken. And, um, you know, I think that the we have to start having a very serious conversation about what it means to have one of the political parties in a society, A, believe that government shouldn't exist, and B, that this little book has infinitely more sway over society than pragmatic thought and logic and science and empathy. This little book that we're, re- we're misreading on top of everything. Like, it's not only that we have this little book, but this little book isn't actually being read correctly. And then we're going to make rules and regulations based on pandering to a part of a society that is getting smaller and smaller yearly. And, you know, the fact that, the, the, you know, we're up for all this fucking gerrymandering bullshit. I mean, I heard the John Lewis, the John Lewis um, Voter Rights Act, I think is what it's called, basically is calling for like the end of partisan gerrymandering. Like, part, like gerrymandering shouldn't exist to begin with. But if it does exist, then it shouldn't be allowed to be done by the party that is reigning in that state. Like, that's fucking stupid. Like, any, you explain that to a seven-year-old, and they'd be like, wait, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, mm, you should have an equal, you, have, you should have a, a nonpartisan panel of six people, three on one side, two on one side, two on the other, and two down the middle. And those six people divide the votership up on census information and blah, 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 blah. Because if the Republicans get their way, they're going to gerrymander their way into victory. You know I mean? Like the problem now is that there is, you know, 80 million people voted for one dude, 70 million people voted for the other, and the 70 million people are still getting their say over shit that the other 80 are like, no. You know, like we want national fucking health care. We want gun rights. We want fucking, you know, we want smart gun laws. We want fucking higher taxes for rich people. And then this, it's minority rule. I mean, it's the same as these as Saudi Arabia and these other places that we're constantly like, ah, those guys are doing it wrong. It's like, we're doing the same fucking thing here. Like, tell me the difference with the, a Trump fucking, you know, a Trump parade of trucks with, Trump flags off the back of it looks a lot more like an ISIS parade with a bunch of fucking white trucks with ISIS flags off the back of it than it does a gay pride parade. 
like what the you know like this is not this society is moving to the left societies inherently unless they're controlled will move to a more liberal you know it's the fucking the arc of time the arc of time bends towards justice like whatever that great quote is but it also bends towards liberalism because as you become more intelligent and you become more emotionally intelligent you realize that we're all fucking stuck here hopefully for 80 to 90 years and most of that's going to suck if everyone's an asshole. It's a lot easier if everybody's cool. If everyone takes care of each other. And if everybody's like, hey, man, are you, oh, you fell over. Let me pick you up. Instead of, oh, you fell over? Well, it's probably because those fucking shoes are too big. So fuck you. You bought the wrong shoes. I'm going over here. What? It's not the way that society can't run that way. Like, eventually we end up where we are now, which is like, rampant tribalism and one tribe is willing to storm the capitol building and kill cops kill cops they killed policemen and these fucking republicans are like well no the the president didn't well no he did (laughs) like and y'all did by fucking months saying that this fucking not coming out and being like the election was legal shut the fuck up and you all stoke these fucking things. And then the big insult is that Mitch McConnell, the, the fucking day after, gets up and says, the president is entirely responsible for what just happened. And you're like, wait, wait, didn't you just acquit him like 24 hours ago? And now you're going to stand here and say that he is? Re- like, what the fuck is going on? And if you're reasonable and intelligent, you feel like you're going crazy. It really is power just for the sake of having power at this point. It's power for the sake of power. And this is once again, you know, not learning from history. This is once again, like not looking at the way these things have always gone prior and saying, uh, okay, how did the Romans fuck it up? <laughs> okay, how did the Greeks fuck it up? Right? How did the Mongols fuck it up? How did the English fuck it up? Like, how did all of these great, huge, you know, empires fall? Well, they all fall for exactly the same reason. They care about being assholes more than they care about being good. That's why the Swedish have never had an empire. That's why the Dutch have never had an empire. They're just like, man, you know, fuck it. We'll just, you know, like now we're, we're just being fucking cool to each other. As cool as we can be. Like nationalized healthcare, everyone fucking pays, you know, high taxes. But the thing, the return you get back on that from your government is spot on. You know, like it's not, it's really not hard. But it is when you've, you know, the other thing is like America's a fucking 400-year-old country. So, you know, like, go to Europe. You, you walk through fucking streets that have been there since B.C. You know what I'm saying? Like, there are Roman streets in England. The Romans are the ones who fucking crucified Christ. So the Romans were there before Christ. And you're walking on streets of that. And then America is a place where you've been here for 400 years. So of course you're going to be making a lot of mistakes. But the smart thing would be to look at what people have done before and be like, okay, how do we learn from that? You know, how do we take those lessons and apply those to this society? And, you know, that's inherently really difficult to do because especially, you know, on a country that refuses to deal with its own fucking past. (laughs) You know, like you can't show fucking drawings of pilgrims and Native Americans eating together at Thanksgiving. Can't do it. That's not, you can't show those to kids and say this happened. That never happened. 
you were decimating the indigenous populations of this fucking country with brutal psychopathic skills. And then you brought hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people from Africa here and for hundreds of years said, build all this shit for free or we'll kill you. Where, why don't we talk about We have to talk about that. You have to have that discussion. Well, and then there's also, <clears throat> it, it, there is still the indigenous problem in Canada right now. This moment, sure. there is still cops beating the shit out of yep. native people in Saskatchewan, fucking left and right of Saskatchewan. It's happening everywhere. Happens yeah. daily up here. So it, it does need to be addressed. Yeah, I mean, it's the, 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 the other thing is that, you know, they just, the, 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 they've been warning us that the power structure has been infiltrated by white supremacists and Nazis and, you know, these fucking assholes for years. The people of color have been saying that for years on both sides of the fucking border. I've been saying, hey, man, these fucking dudes are like there's a lot of racist motherfuckers who are whose job it is to, you know, patrol and who watches the watcher when the watcher is racist themselves. I mean, we have it in fucking L.A. It happened on Valentine's Day. Some fucking LAPD asshole was like sending around a a, a, a valentine's day car that was like you take my breath away like george floyd or some fucking like crazy it was like going through the police department and i you know you always imagine that la being you know a a fairly cosmopolitan city and blah 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 blah. you're like oh we probably you know we're probably a little no clearly we're not higher up the fucking food chain can you imagine being a fucking police officer of color in the fucking you know either you know a, a, a Latinx person or a, a, a black cop seeing that come across your fucking desk and everyone's laughing their asses off at it and you're like, what the fuck is going on, man? Same thing with, you, you know, I mean, you do, like the Canadians, I was, I was reading something the other day about, um, is it Alberta that has a problem or there's, there was another like really dire north thing with like the original what are they called is it the original peoples what is the um what is the name that that canada has for the the indigenous folks they have another word for it or another term well there's inuit there's there's different um tribes that are all up in in northwest territories so yeah it, it definitely is the northern part of bc the northern part of alberta the northern part of saskatchewan and even a little bit into uh, Manitoba and Ontario, and then all in the Northwest Territories. Right. It's just and like the, f- the fishing rights and all that stuff that oh, they stripped from these people. It's it's insane. Women go missing on a daily basis. They really. And it's it's ninety percent of the time it's it's a cop that'll rape a girl and fucking throw her out into the middle of a woods. What. And then in the summer when everything thaws out, they'll find like indigenous girls out there. It's violence is a very real thing in Canada, and it's it's a it's a very big issue in the United States. And don't get me wrong, but it is sure. also a very big issue in Canada. It's just right. racism on a, on a different scale because it's not towards the African American community. It is. It, don't get me wrong. There's right. definitely racism towards the African American community up here, but it's a lot of indigenous racism. 
and it's systemic through decades of the Royal Mountain Canadian Police. It's fucking crazy up here. People go missing. It sounds similar to the situation that they have in Australia and New Zealand with the the Maoris and the Aborigines. Like all of the original, you know, the original peoples, the indigenous populations of these places have, it's, it's, you know, if you're even remotely empathic, you just look at that and you're like, what the fuck are, why? What, it's, you know, what, and it's because if you're, if you aren't racist, it's really hard to imagine why somebody would be racist. Well, and then you have guys <laughs> like, well, then you have guys like Gord Downey from The Tragically Hip. And before he passed away, his he was fighting very hard for just a conversation right. to happen. He wanted light to be brought to these to, to these reserves all all over all over Canada, and he was trying to get uh, the Prime Minister Justin Trudeau on board. There was like little increments of kind of helping here and there, but then you come to places like where I live in Alberta, and people will just like, ah, fuck the tragically hip. I'm not a fucking fan anymore. You're making shit political. Like, why the fuck would you make shit political? It was always he was always a political man. All, right, it was always and, political. And, and all he wanted, right. all he wanted for us to do in his dying breath was just have a fucking conversation about this. Right. And it just it's it's it's, it's, crazy. it's interesting how many how many um, it parallels there are between Gord Downey and uh, what's his name from the from Midnight Oil. Like those two are, yeah. oh, they, you know they're like the same guy fighting the same fucking thing for the indigenous peoples of their countries, you know. Uh, did the did the Canadians fuck the indigenous peoples the way they did here and stick them on shitty pieces of land? Oh, it's so couldn't... it's so fucking bad. The the land that they do have is fucking awful. It's truly awful. awful. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's like it is sociopathic. It is because the definition, you know, one of the defining characteristics of sociopaths is that they have no empathy. So if you're capable of sticking people onto a land that is going to make it incredibly hard for them to be able to survive, that is because you have zero empathy for their struggle. You don't care about what happens to them because if you did, you would, n- you would never allow that to occur. I cannot imagine what, it's like that great, uh, it's that great, um, What's his name? C- uh, Louis C.K. fucking bit where he talks about, you know, one of the greatest things about being a fucking white male is that you can get out of a time machine at any point and just be like, what's up, everybody? What are we doing? And they're like, oh, come this way. All of the great things are right over here. Like, you have no problem no matter where you get out of that fucking time machine. I was like, that's so fucking brilliant. Like, we have, you know, and that's the other thing about when you don't, when you don't teach that stuff, when you don't make that part of an, uh, an education curriculum, people who are naturally don't have empathy can't learn how to have empathy if you aren't schooling them on, like, these folks should live on land that isn't... I mean, the, the Native American fucking res- reservations here, the, like, trailer parks are on better land than the Native American res is here. Like trailer parks where it's like the lowest income, where people are scrambling to try and just fucking make a day. They still have it better 
than the fucking Native American reservations. And, you know, like the, the smartest thing the fucking reservations did was to get their fucking uh, gambling. That piece of justice is just amazing. Like the way we're going to make our fucking, we're going to bring ourselves out of this is we're going to let you assholes kill yourselves with the two things that you love killing yourselves with alcohol and gambling. Here's a casino. Have at it. We'll take all your cash. We'll take reparations in a really weird or roundabout way. But, you know, it's still not fair. It's not right just because that happened. You know, people are like, well, we gave them fucking casinos. I'm like, nah, I don't think that's, I don't think that's commensurate with what happened, you know? Like, the fact that we can't... They, they do get so, um, some sort of reparations up here in Canada, but for the amount of abuse and shit that they right. have to put up with, it's, it's, not, <laughs> it's, it's not fucking anything. No, and, you know, like, the, 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 the black, just, you know, culture, the society here that is, like, there should be reparations... For black Americans that, you know, of course there should. This whole country was built by free labor for 260 years. 260 fucking years. They had free labor. Generations of free labor. You know, like you had slaves that were starting at what, like seven or eight years old? And then dying if they lived a full life. They were slaves till they were 60 or 70. And then they had grandchildren with slaves and great-grandchildren that were slaves. And you're like, you know, if you take a decade as being, what, 10, 9 to 10 years, then you're talking almost 30 generations of slaves. That's fucking crazy. And we don't talk about that in America. I knew more about that when I came over from England. You know, walked into, like, shiny white fucking bleached... Port Jefferson, Long Island, where there was one person of color in the whole school. And I was like, oh, bully. I was talking to Jimmy about it last night because he had a really cool conversation about Minneapolis and like the racial disparities of Minneapolis and him coming up there and me sort of explaining that, you know, coming from England in 19 fucking 83, my high school looked like a Benetton ad. It was every culture that you could imagine. Like I was, there was fucking Jamaican folks that lived at the top of my street. There were Pakistani kids. The fucking lived on my street. There were Indian kids that lived on my street. There was, you know, it was like the street smelled of a million different cultures. It was amazing. And then I went to Long Island. I was like, oh, there's a lot of white people here. I can, <laughs> I can see that this is, this is going to be a culturally vapid experience that I'm about to have to be surrounded by this much Caucasian fucking, and having, and also having no. You know, like one of the problems that America has is it doesn't understand that there's a world outside of America. You know, I met people in high school who didn't have passports. They don't even know that Canada is above them. <laughs> I've never been. Yeah. Like, um, you know, I'm like, dude, you've never, they're like, oh, you know, for, I've been to Puerto Rico. I'm like, that's, nah, I'm not really sure. That, I mean, I love Puerto Rico, don't get me wrong, but you could go another direction. There's a whole fucking new, there's a brave new world out there that you could be experiencing. It's like one of the things that the, um, when you live in New Zealand, uh, they have this, when you graduate from high school, you take this year, I think they call it the gap year, and they, it's, it's basically culturally, you take a year and you go and live somewhere else in the world. 
and then 99% of those kids come back home. You know, it's like the Rumspringer thing with the fucking Amish, and they go out and they fucking live in Europe or whatever, blah, 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 and then they come back to New Zealand. They're like, yeah, no, this is fucking dope. But they've at least gone out to have this perspective to come back and be like, oh, let me take a look at the rest of the world in relation. You know, it's fucking America number one thing. And I'm like, in what other than fucking gun crime? Yep. I, I will what? say... I, I will say this about Alberta and artists in Alberta. When the NDP was um, governing here, they did put into place that you had to thank uh, you had to thank the area that you were standing on. So if you were at a theater which was primarily downtown, you would thank the Treaty Seven and oh, yeah. and, and give a little bit of of history behind the land that we're watching this Smart. film on or this concert on, and artists in this province even though it is now back to this almost totalitarian fucking nazi-esque conservative bullshit again at least the artists kept that shit going so interesting they are definitely (laughs) the the tide is hopefully changing and the narrative is hopefully changing well i think you know this is what this is why you know we have in in america there's like a huge push from the republican party to not have further education. Like, that's why they don't want free college. It's not that they want free college because of the way that, you know, like, it's being paid for, blah, blah, blah. They don't want free college because when you have an educated populace, they make smarter choices because they learn things, you know? Like, they noticed that in America, they noticed after the Vietnam War that kids knew way too much about the way the government worked. So they immediately removed civics from high schools and they changed it to social studies. And social studies is more about the world and blah, blah, but it's nothing about like, here's how a fucking bill becomes a law. This is why a congressman is a congressman. This is why a senator is a senator. This is how you go from governorship, blah, blah. Like none of the actual machinations are taught. So no one has any idea how the system works. And that is why Schoolhouse Rock is still important today. More so, more so than because nobody has back then. Why would Schoolhouse Rock was sort of like reminding you of things that you were learning in school? Now, none of that is being taught. It is the equivalent of a society being run, you know, like the society is a Tesla and you fucking open the hood of the car and there's like no engine and you're like, how does this work? Society is a thing that none of the people who live in it ultimately really know how it works. Like, that cannot be healthy. That is unsustainable, man. Unsustainable. And I think that's another thing that we're... So, I mean, dude, the fucking fact that, like, Texas is so fucked right now with this snowstorm because these fucking morons have allowed these... these They're not morons. The, the people who are uninformed have been convinced that Texas shouldn't be on the national grid. So in Texas electricity is all on these little pocketed fucking grids... And when they fail, they fail. There's no support for it federally because it's not the federal grid. So they have no power. People are dying in their houses because it's cold in a way that it's never been cold. Global warming, by the way, assholes. It's never been cold before. And people are dying in their houses because their houses are completely unprepared to be able to survive that kind of cold, A. They have, like, no double glazing, like, that sort of shit that you have in a, a cold... Like, your house probably has double glazing because if you're in a cold environment, yeah. that's how you don't squander all of your heat. You have two layers of glass. Texas? Fuck that, dude. They don't need that shit. It's fucking hot as balls. Except for the next week, they think. 
And you're like, these people dying in their houses because of choices that Republican governors made over, we're fucking, fuck, fuck everybody. We're doing this our way. And it's like, well, now you're dying your way, man. And the hope is that people will be waking up from all of this stuff. The question is, is like, is it fast enough? And I have a friend of mine who's like 22 years old and she's really, really struggling right now because the world has never been easy for her. If you're a 22-year-old kid, when did you get to coast? <laughs> yeah, and then and then you'll have those same Republicans be like, this generation, this young generation, they oh, have yeah. it all. They have it all. They've never had a they fucking problem. Nope. Ridiculous. And it's like, yeah, you know, like, it's some, and, and don't forget, I mean, I don't know how it works in fucking Canada, but, you know, the minimum wage here, there's a fucking battle for these assholes to give us 15 bucks an hour because we haven't had a minimum wage hike since 2007 that's 14 years where the cost of living has just carried on escalating and escalating and escalating and there's been no compensatory raising in the cost in the prices of the, the payment that people have been making per hour so your you know like my groceries in LA when i first got here 22 years ago 25 bucks would buy me a week's worth of groceries now it's 100 if I was on a, if I was a person who was making eleven bucks an hour still, which is four bucks above the, you know, which is what most people, most places are paying now, is eleven bucks an hour. Think about how much more of your monthly income is being eaten up by that, and the rate, you know, like that's why I've lived in this apartment so long. Is it's fucking rent control? They can't go over three percent a year. Whereas if you live somewhere else and they're like, nah, fuck it, this year it's going up by 100 bucks a month. Next year, 200 bucks a month. Like there's no ruling that tells you. So you end up getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed. And, you know, like anyone will tell you that when you squeeze the middle class and you, you know, you squeeze the lower classes, when you're squeezing them, you're stopping them from being able to fight because they don't have the time to fight. They can't fight because they're so distracted by the constant, like, how the fuck do I survive? that the last thing they'll be is like, well, the first thing we'll do is have a revolution. It's like, no, nah, I just need to get through fucking getting my, my rent together for next month. It's awful, man. I mean, what, what's the minimum wage in uh, Canada? Do you know? Is it a, it, is it, it, it is 15. And like uh, uh, here in Alberta, the premier is trying to fucking, he said it time and time again, I want it to be lower. I want it to be lower. And he's um, cut all cap restriction on insurance, pl- um, renters everything else they can hike your shit up at any time because he's trying to do these roundabout ways to fucking still try to make it like lower than what it is it's so crazy that like how i mean it's a it's a great trick right that you can convince people to vote for you when you are doing everything to fuck their lives up like how could any politician be running on a platform of i'm going to lower the minimum wage and and cut health care and cut, and cut health and cut education and cut transportation and stop it. oh <laughs> i you're going to love this so we have a lot of national parks in what you would call national park what americans would call national parks and he has started allowing these areas to be sold to private owners so much of the parks in Alberta are being sold to private owners now. Some of the best, some of the best spots, some of the most beautiful spots you will ever go in your entire life. Right in the world, not are, just in Canada. Yeah, are now being sold off to private owners. 
That's that's what this motherfucker is doing. He stripped your right to protest. It's incredible. Really? It's incredibly hard to protest now in Alberta. You could get arrested for the littlest fucking thing. Um, what? It's, it's, it's so many things. There's so many things. It's crazy. You you can protest still, but you can't do it on very like. I, I'd have to read the exact what it is, but like if you're at a city hall, you can't protest there. You can't protest in a park. You can't protest. Right. There's very like specific things. So it just and these are all the places that you would. This exactly. is all the places where you would go and have a fucking public. Exactly. Jesus it's, it's, Christmas cakes. It's making it harder and harder and harder for you as an individual to have a voice in this province, and. You continually have people that all they give a shit about here is is oil, and that's it. It's it's right. essentially if oil isn't making money in this province, fuck everybody. Oil controls everybody in this province. It doesn't. It hasn't controlled everybody. <laughs> I love how nobody has woken up to the fact that we would be well off right now if they put reserves ahead. If they when we were a prosperous pr- province. Right, if they right. would have just handled things properly, we would not be in the dire straits that we are right now. But is is Alberta in dire straits? It's not. It's not good at all. I'm pretty sure that we have the highest unemployment rate in Canada right now. Um, and that is because the oil is no longer moving the way it used to. But that's everybody. That's fucking electricians, people that right. work in grocery stores, fucking right, plumbers. Right. Everybody right. in this province is just fucking laid off. It's wow. and it's it, it's incompetence from from the Jason Kenney government. And because the NDP government that came before him, they were adding initiatives that we needed to clean up uh, and and make things ener- energy efficient. So that was putting electricians to work. That was putting plumbers right, right. to work. That was putting right. HVAC guys to work. That was getting the province back to work through these initiatives and. Making <laughs> us a, a shining hope of, of right, right. renewable energy. Things were changing, and as soon as this guy got back in, who all he did was promise oil, 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 and I will give tax breaks to oil tycoons. That's all. That's all that he ran on, and now it is just all fucking out the door. It is down the toilet. It's gambling on things like the like the pipeline. When right. you knew goddamn well that you should not be using taxpayer dollars for that. Right, it's, right. It's just crazy the decisions and the things that this man has done. And and I've been warning against this guy for decades. He was in the um in the federal conservative party beforehand. He was in my writing. I knew he was a fucking piece of shit back then. I have been vocally telling people this guy will fuck you. I don't care what industry you work in. This guy will fuck you. And I've been saying this since 2003. Still people are listening. I'm like, fucking take a look around. Literally open your eyes and do any sort of education. This guy is right. not in any of your best interests. He is fucking you. I don't care what industry you work in. If you're an artist, if you're an electrician, if you're a fucking ditch digger, this guy has fucked you. When did he take over? Uh, two years ago now. Well, I guess three years ago because it's 2021 now. 
Jesus, and in that, that amount of time, he's done that amount of damage? Oh, this this guy has just repealed and replaced. Well, he hasn't even replaced. He's just repealed everything that from the previous administration. He pretty much went in there like a Trump Jr. and fucking started right. cutting. Just cut, 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 cut. And this is a guy who, very anti-abortion guy, when he was in um, university, he was on, like, worldwide news for being this crazy, like, very right-wing, insane person, anti-abortionist. People were, like, worried about him when he was in university. He was Jesus. national news when he was just a young student in university trying to fucking cut students' rights. Cut students' rights while he's at university. So he's, his entire career has just that's been... A, a, that's unbelievable. Well, it's not unbelievable. It's entirely believable. That's unconscionable. And, and people are still supporting him. I hope that people wake up this year. And I hope that everybody actually gets informed this time around. Right. Because right. if if we have another four years of this guy, we're fucked. Well, I'll keep my fingers crossed for you, my friend. <laughs> if it wasn't I mean, so, if it wasn't so hard for me to go to the states, I would have done it by now. So, well, it's easier now, thank God, than it's been for a while, and it's hopefully going to get easier. But uh, you know, as for right now, things are uh, you know things are sort of moving slowly. Uh, you know, I feel fucking bad for Biden. He's got 200 million people are all fucking dealing with this fucking cold all of a sudden on top of COVID, on top of blah, 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 blah. He's just like, Jesus, man. This presidency, I mean, thank God this dude got in, but this presidency has been, what, two months old and it's already the fuck, probably the hardest presidency since FDR dealt with the Great Depression and all of that. Shit. Yeah, I'm I'm scared to see what he looks like coming out of this. Oh, it's gonna if it doesn't kill him, it's definitely gonna take ten years off of his life. Has to. I mean, like all of those guys got like look at Obama. Like Obama went in a spring chicken, came out eight years later looking like he'd been president for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I don't know why any you gotta have such a level of fucking self-belief and narcissism of a you know like of a, of a not i mean you're either going to be a narcissist with sociopathic tendencies or just a narcissist that believes in themselves and their abilities in a way that is you know beyond the average to want to take that job you just have to like i, I don't know what that is i don't have that in me to be like yeah yeah i'm president sounds great <laughs> yeah it's, i want it's that a, job it's a fucking terrifying job terrifying job I mean, it's like the Joe Rogan thing, right? Like, fuck Joe Rogan. But there was a, he has that joke where he's like, you know, I'm fairly sure the first day of the presidency, they take you behind a door and then there's another door and then they open that door and they're like, all right, this is what the fuck is really going on. And they have maps of like, these people are trying to kill us. 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 This is going to fucking blow up. These guys are fucking, there's more pollution here than anywhere else in the world. This fucking thing's going to blow up. This thing's going to blow up. And these people are fucking, and you're just like, oh, Oh, the whole world is completely fucked. I thought it was bad, but I didn't realize it was like this bad because we have no clue. We have no idea what's really going on. Like the five, I was watching video the other day of them like, there's some place in India where there's like 18 wheeler trucks are just pulling up and just dumping bucket loads of plastic into the rivers. Just buckets, like whole fucking scoops and just buckets of fucking 
truckloads, not even buckets, truckloads of plastic going straight into the water surface, uh, sources, going straight into the river, straight out to the ocean. You're like fucking human beings. This is why I hate them. Mm-hmm. This is why I hate human beings. Human beings are fucking stupid. We are dumb. We are dumb monkeys. We're not even smart monkeys. We are dumb monkeys. It's exhausting being intelligent in this fucking, in this planet. And exhausting. You know, I'm trying to work out what I'm going to do to like, I'm like, where do I want to go live like my 60s? Because I don't know if I want to do my 60s in America. Like, I don't know where I want to go do my 60s, but I don't want to be old in America. It sounds horrible. I have no idea where to go. But it's clear that now Canada is off the list as well, which is very sad because I was looking at least, hopefully that Canada would be a, a there good is, respite. Th- th- there is still great provinces in this country. And I think that's <laughs> th- that's also the problem with Albertans is they they make it seem like Alberta is fucking all of Canada. And it's not. It's right, this, just right. this one shitty little pocket that frankly needs to be cleaned up. I don't understand why I'm still here, but it is what it is. <laughs> but the, yeah, I mean, couldn't you? Why, why haven't you moved to a better province? Yeah, it's it's a great question. I I don't know. I and I loved living in Ontario. I think Ontario is one of the finest places I've ever lived. It's it's amazing. It's beautiful. The people there are great. Everything about it is amazing. Jobs there are a little bit scarce right now. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, coming out of this pandemic, if it opened back up, I would go anywhere east again. Anywhere well, east I mean, of Alberta is... is fantastic. <laughs> well, I'm going to keep my fingers crossed for you on that plan. That sounds like a smart idea. Do you think the problems in the music industry because of COVID are, are going to be brought to light now and a lot of things are going to be fixed when we come out of this? Or do you still think it's going to be this big bloated uh, entity that it was? I mean, it's... They're slowly having to wake up to the reality of the situation. Uh, it's just amazing that they're waking up to the reality of the situation 10, 15 years late. Um, but, you know, that's what happens with calcified thought. That's what ha- happens when you don't have forward-thinking individuals. Um, I do think that... I can, you know, you can feel it changing, right? Like you, you can feel that radio is not as important as it was. You can feel that hits don't come off of radio anymore. Like radio now follows Spotify playlists, but it's also harder for, you know, bands to gain traction. Like the other day I was like this new weekend song that a friend of mine posted about. And I went and listened to it. I was like, Oh, this is fucking amazing. And then you go and look at it and it's like, it's already got like, you know, a hundred, 360 million plays on, fucking spotify and i'm like wait what a song had 360 million plays and i didn't know it existed like what the fuck is that like that's that that happened (laughs) you know like hey it's even like that uh sea shanty (coughs) song that's like three on the charts and blew up tiktok spotify apple music yep I, I had not heard about that until it was like well into the 400, 500 million people <laughs> listen. Yeah, like when I saw the first time I saw it was a couple months ago on, on Imager, those guys, like, uh, and that basically got pieced together from one guy doing it and then another guy provided the harmonies and another guy. So the fact that like a sea shanty makes it onto the charts is really fucking awesome because it is, you know, it's evidence of the, of what we're talking about where there is a democratization, like no record label was going to put out a fucking sea shanty. 
you know, no, you know, nobody was going to go on that fucking thing. And then it proved it through the traction of social media, you know, and there is a new model. Like one of the things that was horrible that I was hearing was like songs are now going to start like being a minute and a half long because, you know, the, the ADHD audience just wants a hook. They just want the fucking chorus. You're like, wait, we're going to like, we already took the bridge out of songs. Now we're going to take a fucking, you know, we're going to take, it's going to go chorus, verse, chorus, chorus out. Like that's going to be the new songs. Yeah, but they, it, <laughs> it's the same thing with just the releasing of, of singles again. But then you have a band like Tool will come out with 12 minute fucking songs and very album oriented and top charts. And people do still give a shit about that. So I think that there's room for both, no? Uh, there is, certainly, but I do, you know, like a band like Tool, you have to remember that, like, you know, they they garnered their, their the, the attention came when bands were making albums. The attention came, you know, they built themselves in a, in a time frame where people appreciated that that's what they did. And there certainly will continue to be bands that do albums and blah, 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 and full, full decks. You know, I don't, I don't bemoan the single. Uh, I think that singles, you know, because that's how it used to be. I think singles are fucking awesome. And it always, you know, like I'm, I'm working, I'm not working with, but I have friends of mine who are in bands like, oh, we're putting our new album out next week. And I'm like, why? Why are you doing that? Like, that's, don't. Put out a fucking, got 12 songs, put out a song every week. Do 12 weeks and just fucking put it out that way. And at the end of it, have an album. And especially in like today's society, you stay relevant for a hell of a lot longer. Yeah. And it seems like you're reinventing yourself every single week. So it's it's a better it's a better strategy to get more fans in the long run. Well, it's just to keep you like, you know, what you're doing is you're cutting through the clutter and you're keeping your name as the as you know, or you're keeping your product in quotes, something that's top of mind. Like, oh, another cool fucking song, another cool song. Like you know, bands should be, you know, just putting out songs all the time. Like, put out a song on Wednesday, and then if you finish the next one next Friday, put that song out. You put out a song, and you're like, oh, this song's really cool. Let's do a video. Don't release it until you do the video, but put out an acoustic version of the song the week before. And be like, hey, we got the full band video and blah, blah, blah coming out next Thursday. Like, the idea of dumping 12 songs... You know, and then you go like the Spotify research says that most of the last songs of those albums never even get listened to. People always listen to the first one. And it allows those songs that for the most part on albums are the better songs to actually breathe and get an audience. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that, you know, that that's a pivot that's that is, you know, like now when I see bands putting out albums, it's like I, I most of those bands are people in their 30s. I don't know of many bands in their, you know, kids in their fucking 18s to 20s that are putting out, you know, albums. Like nobody does. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it to do it. You don't need to, especially if you're making the, the songs in your apartment. Why bother, you know? So I think that, you know, I, I've always described it as we probably said this on the last conversation that we had where I'm like, you know, there was a period where there were, you know, almost as many cars as there were horses and buggies on the road. And that's exactly where we are now. Like the music industry is cars and horses and buggies. And we're just trying to, you know, work out what the new business model for the car is going to be because the horse and buggy one doesn't work anymore. Thank you for coming on again. Of course. I will uh, be uh, running around the uh, interwebs in the next couple of days. 
Uh, so feel free to join in on that silliness. And uh, if you're looking for something to watch, there's a great show called The Bureau that's on fucking Am Amazon Prime. I don't know if you guys have that up there. Um, yeah, we do. But uh, it's 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 fantastic. There's a French show called The Bureau, which is like six seasons, and it's mind-blowingly good television. Yeah, it's. I highly recommend that. Did as you well. see The Bureau? Now, recommend. Oh, I dude, did. It's great. Unbelievable. Yeah. I was like, it's so, fuck, it's so fucking it's good. It's so weird. It's like John Le Carre, but like the French version, Jean Le Carre. It's so <laughs> fucking good. I, and I, there's like five seasons and I couldn't stop watching it. Unbelievable. So fucking good. Yeah. Now, recommended for you, though. Yes. If you haven't, if you haven't seen Malcolm and Marie. Oh, I've heard good things. It's fucking phenomenal. All right. And I just finished watching The Sleeping Negro, which is playing at Slam Dance right now. It's like a $10 ticket. You can watch every single thing at Slam Dance. They fucking outdid themselves at nice. this festival this year. But that one, I don't normally say that, that a first-time filmmaker is somebody that we should look out for because you never know. You never know what the, their career is going to end up looking like. I, I take films as films. But there is something about his filmmaking in that. I think that that is a director that we all need to we all need to keep an eye on. His name's Skinner Myers. The He's, Sleeping uh, Negro. Yeah, I'm in. really good. All right. Well, stay safe, my friend. Stay positive. Stay positive. Test negative. That's the new. That's our new mantra. Thank you for listening. Make sure to catch Christian James Hand over on Instagram at the Session IG Live. It's uh, happening. Every single day, 11 a.m. Pacific, Monday to Friday, and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific time. And uh, you can also catch them on the sessionwebsite.com. And this concludes our broadcast day.